Each year, Center for Arizona Policy hosts our friends and colleagues from Iowa's Family Leader for dinner. Bob Vanderplatz, president of the Family Leader, joined CAP President Kathy Herod for an insightful conversation into faith, politics, and elections. Let's join them now. Today, I have with me Bob Vanderplatz, the CEO and president of the Family Leader in Iowa, a whether we call it a sister organization, associate organization, but we're part of the same network, um, Center for Arizona Policy, and the family leader work together on a number of issues. So now I want to talk a little bit about policy and what's sure. going on in Iowa compared to what's going on in Arizona. So to start off with, we know, you know, miraculously, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. So now we in the states have something that we can do about abortion. What's the status of abortion law in Iowa today? Well, the status of, Iowa, uh, of abortion law in Iowa today is... Frankly, Iowa today would be a pro-abortion destination. It would be an abortion destination state because our U.S. Our, our Iowa Supreme Court came in and basically voided legislation, good pro-life legislation that our legislature passed, our governor signed, and from a 72-hour waiting period, as well as to the heartbeat legislation. So right now, uh, Governor Reynolds has basically brought this back to the courts to say now because of Roe v. Wade being overturned and what our state did before Roe v. Wade got overturned, our state in the 72-hour lawsuit and you know the, the suit that went to the Supreme Court, they said that there's a fundamental right to abortion in Iowa's Constitution. Two years later, we bring that case back to the Iowa Supreme Court and this Iowa Supreme Court overturned it, and they said that that was wrong. That was judicial activism. That's not Iowa's constitution. So they reversed itself a week before Roe v. Wade. So now we believe the heartbeat bill should get reinstated as early as the end of June. And I just talked to Governor Reynolds on this uh, Thursday before I came out to um, Arizona. And we are hoping that they'll reinstate heartbeat and they'll do it with rational basis. And if they do it with rational basis, we believe we have a great argument for life at conception. And so what's interesting for all those of us who have been in the pro-life debate for what? Years. Yeah, 50 yeah. years now, is uh, for the longest of time, well, first of all, we didn't, never thought Roe v. Wade would get overturned. But now to think we're talking life at conception in our capitals? And we have a governor who, in her defining debate in a very close gubernatorial election of 2018, the third debate, she was asked, what is the line in the sand for you? And she said, the sanctity of human life is the line of the sand. And Iowans rewarded her with a three-point victory when she was supposed to be defeated by three points. And she remains the pro-life champion. We have a lot of great pro-life legislatures or legislators in the Iowa House and Iowa Senate. And our pro-life coalition of 30-some members now, we are working in sync. We're working in unity. Too often, the pro-life community has been against each other because you're an absolutist. You're, uh, you, know, you, just, uh, you just want to increment. You're an incrementalist. And so we're actually working together now. And that has made all the difference in the world. Well, in Arizona, our Arizona Supreme Court actually has before it right now what we call our pre-roll law. Mm. And that would say that abortion is not legal unless necessary to save the life of the mother. So we're waiting for that court decision. I'm very hopeful that they will, will, will uphold that law. It's good law. Sure. It only, it, the only reason it wasn't enforceable was because of Roe versus Wade. 
But then we fully expect that abortion will be on the ballot in November of 24, that the pro-abortion crowd will do an initiative and, and do their best to put it on the ballot in 2024. So we've got our, our work cut out for us in Arizona on, your, on standing for life. Your work, and you talked about our uh, Family Policy Alliance early on. And I think when Arizona has something like this, where they're going to put abortion, uh, you know, a pro-abortion a constitutional amendment on the ballot, all of us need to come together and say, how can we help out Arizona? And I think in Iowa, we're not in that state right now. I, matter of fact, we're going to try to pass a constitutional amendment, basically a protect life on the amendment. Pro-life side, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. We don't believe we need that today at this point, but we'll be praying for you in any way we can help you. We're going to help you. Well, and the other exciting news from Iowa is you have universal school, school choice. choice now. Like, you know, we finally got it last year after so many years mm. of trying. Um, but how has that been? I mean, is it in effect yet or is it for the next school it's year? It's the next school year. Okay. And I, I've got to tell you, thank you to Arizona. Uh, thank you to Governor Ducey and the Center for Arizona Policy and everybody who played a part in that. I believe courage begets courage. And so when Arizona did what Arizona did, I think that gave Governor Reynolds more courage. We try to pass school choice, not universal school choice, but we... A, the incremental steps yeah, like we did. A big step, though, last session. And we ended up a couple of votes shy. And this was an election year, too. And so after that session, Governor Reynolds and our team and her team talked together. And she said, we don't need more Republicans. We need better conservatives. And she goes, they need to understand why they're, elect- or why they're here. And so we were also in a redistricting year, so we had several candidates up for re-election who could be primaried. So we involved ourselves into six primaries. And matter of fact, people said, there's no way you guys will take out these. And they're all incumbents. We went 6-0, and took all of them out, including the education chair. And Governor Reynolds had our back every step of the way with basically endorsements and those type of things. But that, what, that is what led to us passing universal school choice this year. We went way further this year because we knew this was the time to go. And so she has been a champion for school choice, uh, the legislature a champion. And again, we brought a lot of the community together saying, listen, what they're doing in the public school, I have a long history in the public school system as a teacher and a high school principal, but they have now made that their, their church for our children to, to advance their progressive out-of-step agenda, you know, which is totally antithetical to parents in local parentis, uh, which is school law about in place of the parents. Uh, the parents still should have the right to raise a child when they wake up in the morning, during the day, and when they put them in bed at night. Well, and that's what school choice, more than anything, is pro-parent. Amen. It's about parents being able to select the education that best meets the needs of your their children. And when you mention the the school being their church now. You know, in Arizona, we've just recently had a situation where a local elementary school board um, unanimously voted that they would not have any student um, student teachers or um, teach, um, students doing their practicums at their school district from Arizona Christian University. And at the school board meeting, when they made that vote, the, the board member who was leading it, who identifies as a neurodivergent, um, lesbian, queer, Latina, uh, she just read... Basically, it was totally on the biblical beliefs. And I thought it, it just showed where we're at with the cultural debate and with the antagonism toward anything of biblical beliefs mm. in our country today. Now, you've mentioned Governor Reynolds a, a couple of times. Sure. And so I, I want to, if I have it right, that Iowa went from conservative to liberal Democrat, then now back to conservative. But of course, Arizona right now is we've gone from conservative to liberal. 
And it's, um, it's a wake-up call. It's a, oh, we've got this for four years. Um, this is going to be interesting. Mm. Um, we're not going to be able... And then, of course, game is on yeah. to flip Arizona, our legislature that has not flipped. But certainly for two or three election cycles, it's been building that how can the left basically take over Arizona and repeal our pro-life laws, repeal school choice, on and on. So what's the Iowa story on... Um, you mentioned a little bit about the life issue and Governor Reynolds, but how did... Iowa really flipped back. Yeah, you know, Iowa was a blue state. Uh, matter of fact, back in 2006, uh, and even before that, we had Governor Vilsack, and then you had Governor Culver, totally leftist Democrat governors, and you had a Democrat-controlled legislature. And I really believe it was also a partnership here because uh, of the family leader. I'm going to give the family leader a lot of credit here. And, and the reason is because we started casting vision and messaging we had a Supreme Court that overturned the institution of marriage without the people's voice or vote. And so what they did is they voided uh, one man, one mo- woman marriage law that was signed and said, we're now a same-sex marriage state. So we took on the justices, which was like third row in politics. To recall them. Yeah. Right? And, yes. Well, to basically that they would not oh, be retained. Real. Okay, yes. And that, that's our system. And everybody said, there's no way you're going to win. They get retained with 87% of the vote by average. But we went there and we, we made, it was about marriage, yes, but we also said this is about separation of powers. So let's say you don't care about marriage. They can do this way you educate your children, private property, your gun rights, any liberty you hold dear, you allow this to an activist court, it's up for grabs. And so then we went on the road. We put a lot of money into it. We debated. I debated two Supreme Court justices, chief justices, former chief justices at one setting. It was two on one. <laughs> and we beat them to where they started to make it personal about me because they could no longer defend it because they're outside the Constitution. Well, then Iowans in a historic move ousted all the Supreme Court justices. And I believe that was a start of it. It was kind of a wake up. It was like a jarring. And then we started to get better and better office holders, more and more Republicans, so to speak. But again, they were almost rhinos, rhinos or Republican in name only. But we kept working on it. And then we brought the churches here. You talk about the church ambassador network, the Daniel impact. When people start seeing pastors, they don't just see one, two, or three. They see every one of them representing at least 500. And they're leaders in their community. And these people weren't being politically charged they wanted common sense. They wanted share virtue. They wanted promotion by merit, those type of things, things that made Iowa great. And then you got Governor Reynolds. And, you know, things rise and fall in leadership. That's why we, we fire head coaches and we hire head coaches. It's leadership. Well, Governor Reynolds has been a fantastic leader, and she's been a great partner for us with the family leader. And so now we're seeing Iowa being almost a deep red state. Mm-hmm because people are applauding and championing that type of leadership. Well, we know issues matter. We know wake-up calls like what happened yep. with the Iowa Supreme Court matter. But on so family leader ha- does engage in elections. For us still in Arizona, it's still relatively new mm-hmm. for us to be as engaged in primaries, and we've only really done very little in primaries, but to be as engaged in the election cycle, in recruiting candidates mm-hmm. for CAP Action, for our C4. How is that? Pl- I mean, most of that you've done through your um, – your C4, I assume. And how is that, you know, as far as being more engaged in elections, how has that um, impacted, I guess, your overall work? Well, you know, personnel is policy. So 
for example, Governor Reynolds, when she was going to get beat by three percentage points, she was running against a very well-financed uh, business member of the Des Moines community, great name, and he chaired the Planned Parenthood board. Okay, So the difference between a Governor Reynolds and, say, a Fred Hubble was stark. So when you get a Governor Reynolds in there, now you have a chance to work with her on your issues. So elections matter to us in a big way. And we do it through two veins. One is a C3 vein, the honoring God. That's through the Church Ambassador Network. We want senior pastors to speak biblically into elections, for the church to be the timeless voice, to be a prophetic voice. Don't tell them who to vote for. Don't tell them it's Republican or Democrat. We don't need your church to be political. We just need you to be biblical and culturally relevant. But you need to mobilize your congregation to get out and vote. If it's a Bible-believing, gospel-teaching church, which is the only churches we accept uh, in the in the Church Ambassador Network, they're primarily going to go with those type of candidates. But then our C4, we, we direct voters. We tell them who we're for, who we're against, and why that isn't, because issues matter, but personnel matters. But the other thing we've been doing through the Church Ambassador Network, we've been challenging senior pastors. Hey, everybody has a call on their life in your church. Some of them to be a, a missionary to India. Some of them to be a missionary to the capital in Des Moines. So if you recognize that, and somebody has a passion, if they're gifted and their skills match up, we want to come alongside of them. And the pastors are answering that call as well. So it's us, everybody's in this together because when you have revival in the church and you have revival in the family, you need to have revival in the government as well. So as we pray for revival, we need all three. Well, in Arizona, we'll be looking to Iowa more and more, but that's um, recruiting candidates and having, and for, I think that's absolutely what needs to happen is that, you know, who feels called, especially those that may be in the, at the midpoint in their lives mm-hmm. where they may not, their career has been successful, they're settled, they've, they've raised their children, and it's now what can you do to serve in government to make mm-hmm. a difference because we need godly men and women in those positions. So we're, we're grateful for what we see going on in <laughs> Iowa. So, well, thank you. Thank you. We, we had a, just on that note, if we're okay to continue yeah. this segment, yeah. Yeah. is uh, when we decided we we're going to go after the education chair, uh, there's a mom who knew nothing about politics. She was green as grass, but her heart was right and she could articulate. And we said, let tell you what, we will come around you and we will help you out with the politics of it. And we'll teach you, we'll train you, we'll, we'll knock doors together, all that stuff. And she was supposed to get beat. She won by six points on primary night. Well, and two of our, um, two actually now former Arizona lawmakers to me are the model. One started out in this by praying outside abortion clinics mm-hmm. and then got more involved politically, then served 17 years in the state legislature. And the other one started a Christian high school, had a successful legal career, mm. and then and started a school tuition organization to support school choice, and then served 16 years in the state legislature. So that's what, how do we, you know, to, the need to identify those people. So um, so it's um, fun to hear what's going on in Iowa and the success and gives us um, motivation and something to shoot for that we know that it's only temporary in Arizona what we're going through now. Exactly. What's great about the alliance is iron sharpens iron. We look to you guys all the time on the policy stuff. We were better together. Amen. Amen.